<laughs> when you're expecting water and like fizzy grapefruit flavor comes, it's weird. I put LaCroix into a water bottle instead of regular water. It was a good one. I could think of a lot worse things. I know. I know. Exactly. I was pretty sure Matt was going to That's actually kind of so. nice. That's what I thought. I was like, this is the most gentle possible prank one could pull. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief Podcast, a weekly Q&A podcast. That was a little bit redundant, but we're going with it because we're your friends here at Sandals Church, and we are so excited. Man, guys, just in like two days from now, it's my favorite time of the year, turkey time, turkey oh, time. it's turkey time. Excellent. Okay, can I just be honest? My son does not like mashed potatoes, <gasps> does not like gravy, does not like stuffing, does not what? like sweet potatoes. What? He may not be an American. What? He probably isn't. You it dry, may it have literally, a, I feel like I've failed you may have a as a parent. living in your home. What is, a Russian what is, spy. He, what does he do on I'm Thanksgiving? Make him wear a yeah, what shirt does he do? He's, I can picture him sitting in the corner eating hot dogs and mac and cheese. At the yeah, kids table. it drives me crazy. Part Those of that like is this is things. free info. Whenever that you have the the last child, it's called the baby. You just like throw parenting out the window and you let them eat whatever <laughs> they want. Which is you're just like you're just like broken down and you give up, <laughs> and that's what happened. But it breaks my heart, man. It's like, come on, dude. So true. Well, hey, in case you're wondering what the heck is going on right now, we are your friends from Sandals Church yeah. here. I'm your good old pal, Justin Pardee, hanging out here with my friend, Stephanie. That's right. Hi. And we got Pastor Matt Brown over here. Yeah, who's offering parental advice <laughs> for free. Yes. Dude, what a... Parental and Thanksgiving advice. What a value. What a value. I do love my son, but As Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving cool. is hurtful. Yeah, that would that would hurt me if someone... Like, my mom and I spend like all day just on the stuffing. Like it's so good. Why have I not been invited over for Thanksgiving? You can come over for Thanksgiving. I, that's my favorite. Stuffing. That's my favorite meal of the year. Hands down. You can Hands you down. can come to the Keen family for Thanksgiving. We're doing it on Friday. You can come. The Keen family Thanksgiving. You know yes. what I love about Thanksgiving is I don't like any traditional Thanksgiving desserts: pumpkin pie, pecan <gasps> pie, cherry pie. Just none of those work with me, or any of the other weird desserts at Thanksgiving, like pretzels stuck together with weird sugar stuff. Okay, I'm I've sorry. never had that. What is well, there's always just weird. No, weird you're things. not American. But yeah. listen, so I, I used to grow up being sad. Like we'd get through Thanksgiving, and oh, then I would go like to the dessert food. table and be. Mm. And then one year in like the fourth grade, my grandma found me crying in the laundry room <laughs> oh eating hot God, biscuits with honey. You were crying because yeah, you didn't like the dessert, dessert at Thanksgiving. So then she's like, "What's the you matter?" You have had a strange affiliation with food. Listen, from I'm telling you, I was just so sad, little. And then ever since then, my grandma makes me my own German chocolate cake pie at Thanksgiving because it's got to be a pie at Thanksgiving. And nobody else was allowed to eat a it. German chocolate. That actually German that is really sweet. good. Like Does it have like that co- coconut topping on it? Uh, yeah, exactly. Whatever that. <gasps> oh, I don't know. See, okay, I didn't like chocolate all growing it's got like up. An My mom would magic. make German chocolate cakes and just give me the frosting because it didn't have the. Mm. I didn't like. You chocolate, didn't like chocolate? No, I didn't like chocolate. Until I was like twenty-one. Oh my gosh, you're bizarre. I know. Wow. I, I've come around. I've mm. been saved. It's okay. Well, friends, so. as you can tell, we are gearing up for this holiday break <laughs> that is ahead of us. We are clearly thankful for food. That yes. is so true. But we are also thankful for you guys, our lovely listeners. We're going to jump into some Q&A from Acts chapter 23 in just a second. But before we do that, man, we want to celebrate uh, how much we are thankful and grateful for you guys mm. and the love that you show us with your reviews. This one comes from Jeff on Facebook, and he says this, I love the debrief. And my super soft debrief t-shirt. I've never felt more involved in study in my Bible. Uh, things I don't understand or hadn't looked at in a different way, I'm now looking at and is allowing my faith to evolve. Yes, I said the E word. So true listener right there. We can tell. And through that evolution of my faith of understanding God's word, I'm growing closer to him. Five stars. Sorry, Justin. I don't have an iTunes account, but I love guacamole. Uh, thank you guys for doing this and making the podcast seem like a conversation that you're sitting with, even though I'm usually driving and listening to you. In my car. I like guacamole too, do you? I love guacamole. Oh, man. 
you guys, we really got to focus, like focus on the Bible here. We got to focus on the Bible here because some people are pretty passionate about the fact that they hate guacamole. Why would you hate guacamole? Yeah, Actually, my dad doesn't really like guacamole, yeah. but he's like just not into. Have avocados. fun with your caucuses and hating of guacamole. That's, that's I my feel like you just people cussed. from the south and from the east coast don't get avocados like we do though. Like they just don't get it. Yeah, I remember I had some friends fly out from the Midwest and we met them in San Diego, Old Town San Diego, and they bring out that wonderful just homemade mm. like tableside oh, guacamole, gosh. and they you just can't were like talk ignoring about this while it. There's an avocado shortage, man. I'm, well, this I'm is sorry. cruel. It was both like sad for them. I was like angry and offended that they were not willing to partake in like this true wonderful. You know, mm. feast of Southern mm. California, but then at the same time, mm. I'm thinking, hey, a little there's more. There's an avocado shortage. More yeah, there's on. an avocado shortage right yeah. now. Like you go to places like I was like, Subway, driving through Farmers the other day. It says like no avocado for now on yeah. anything. Exactly. I it's thought that was brought an avocado for like three dollars the other day, and it was back. awful. They're expensive. Yeah, they're just getting real expensive right now. So yeah, uh, and they're not very good right now either. Yeah. Like she got one, it was like super pale. Okay, we are clearly... Uh, Pray for the avocados, guys. <laughs> Pray for those. And uh, well, hey, Pastor Matt, how do you feel about jumping into some questions from Acts chapter 22? This I love this chapter, and we're actually in Acts 23, but... Oh, sorry, oh, excuse me, Acts 23. Yeah, no, it's a good thing I'm in charge. Yeah, well, thank goodness we've got you here. Yeah. All right, we're going to start... I am your spiritual leader. You are. We're very fortunate to have you. And the you. numerical leader. Yes. You're number one. Mm. That's right. All right, so we're going to jump right in. I Like, I read this chapter and had so many moments of, oh my gosh... Exactly. Like, it picks up from another. This was yeah. Luke. Luke is really cliffhanger on cliffhanger. Exactly. He's uh, focusing yeah. in on the drama of it's writing true. here yes. at the bum, end. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> How is it going to pick up in Acts chapter 23? Well, in verses one through two, it says, gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. Instantly, Ananias, the high priest commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. Hello. Ooh. Yeah, so this chapter comes out swinging, literally. Uh, why was oh, it so offensive that Paul was saying that he lives with a clean conscience? Well, it says that, you know, he's gazing intently, so he's super focused. He's looking right at them. So he has the, um, you know, some Roman guards who are present, so I'm sure that he feels somewhat safe here. Uh, he does say brothers, mm -hmm. right? So brothers. Uh, he says, I've always lived with God uh, with a clear conscience. And so what he's saying is basically is I'm right, you're wrong. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's just starting off with, you guys are wrong. And so that's why the response instantly, Ananias, the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. Um, you know, and that's just, uh, you know, something we don't do enough at Central Church. We need to do a little more slapping. It would be good, you know. So can I start that? Yeah, no, we're going to start with you. Oh, you're going to oh, slap. No. Okay, okay. If, you're, if you're new to Christianity, slapping... Right. It's not appropriate, yeah, no. and it is not the Christian who is doing the slapping. Is the, the Christian who's being slapped? Yeah, no. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, just, fact, I don't want people getting. In fact, scared. when we're slapped, we are supposed to turn the turn other the cheek. cheek. You guys passed the test. That was a test. Yes. Of Bible knowledge. Thank wow, you. Thank you, and, Justin. And yes. and uh, we'll do a test of Bible what's, application what's the after the show. What's the secondary spiritual leader? What's that? Title? Yeah, that's right. Well, here we go. Let me let's let's. Oh, we got to go back. Oh, you got something else? Yeah. So yeah, back it up. Back it up. I love that. I love saying that. Back it up. Back it up. Okay. So. Um, sorry, guys. We drank way too much coffee today. We apologize. <laughs> we we love you guys. Really I think this is going to go down as a fan favorite. People are going to love 42, man. Yeah, They're going to look back. Back episode 50. it up. How did remember you feel 42? about 42 just in your life? The age? Yeah. I don't remember 42. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, back 42. it up. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the clothing store Forever 21. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when I turned 42, I was going to open a store called Forever 42. <laughs> oh. Same clothes. Just slightly wrinkled and faded. Oh, <laughs> so. I thought you were going to say like twice as expensive yeah, or... Yeah, yeah. So, right. but no one thought that was a good idea, but I thought it was... Like, I support oh, it. I think it's a yeah. great idea. Forever I'm 42. your yes man. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, where am I? All right. So, yeah. So, Paul gets slapped, and uh, it's nasty, and, you know, it's just the whole situation ugly, so it's letting us know this is not going to go yeah, well. Right. In your opening sentence, you know, you get snapped. And, and by the way, if you come to Israel with us, you got to watch uh, political stations in the Middle East. It is hilarious. It is better than any reality TV we have. Like, literally, you'll be watching, like, their Congress's debate, and all of a sudden, a shoe will just fly. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's like, shoes start flying. Before you know it, man, people are like, you come from a motherless goat. You know, it's just like, it's just like crazy, man. I love it. Oh, man. So, it makes me thankful for our political system. Fair enough. Fair enough. Though there's one thing. Yeah, I'll take that wherever so, you get it. So, Paul responds to the high priest, Ananias, and he says, um, in verses 3, going on through 5, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? Those standing near Paul said to him, do you dare insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers. I did not realize he was the high priest, Paul replied, for the scriptures say, you must not speak any evil of your leaders. So... This is gets even a little bit crazier here. Did Paul really not know this guy was a high priest? And um, wouldn't any one of the leaders here be one of his rulers that he should not have slapped according to the Bible, or he should not have spoken of? Yeah. Well, okay. So yes, they're all his leaders, but the high priest is um, sits in an unusual position. So we talked about in last week's episode that Sanhedrin is made up of seven leaders, made mm-hmm. up of primarily Sadducees, but some Pharisees. And, there's a high and then priest from that, there's one. a high priest who rotates, and it would have been a high priest family. But basically, they operate as kind of a king-like figure, priest-like figure uh, in, in the Jewish faith. And so basically, the high priest represents God. And so that's the issue here. Okay. So Paul, right, it says it gazed at them intently. So Paul, uh, in his letters, talks about the fact that he had eye problems. So he may have had eye infections. He literally says he's these words, that you would have gouged out your own eyes and given them to me if you were able to. So we don't Mm -hmm. know what was wrong, but he had something wrong with his eyes. This could be a lingering effect from what happened when um, Jesus blinded him on the road to Damascus. Remember, something like scales Mm -hmm. fell off. Mm -hmm. So God may have healed him, but left him um, damaged from that experience. Interesting. um, Maybe to keep him humble. So we're we're not sure. I think a reasonable explanation here is that this meeting is not in the normal uh, area. It's kind of an ad hoc meeting, and it's quickly assembled at the request of uh, the Roman commander because he wants to clear these things up because he's trying to appease both Roman law because the Apostle Paul is a Roman citizen and these very, very powerful Jewish men who are fired up and want Paul dead. And so this meeting is probably not taking place in their chambers because and the reason I think that is they're not going to allow him to call a meeting. So this is going to be like maybe in a different place. Like the place. outside Roman official? Yeah. This is going to maybe be um, underneath the Antonio Fortress. You know, some it's going to be somewhere else where maybe the high priest is not in the usual position that he would have been in. Because if they were oh. gathering in um, the normal place, everyone would know where the high priest sits. Has like or a stands. special throne yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Just like, you know, when Congress meets, right? Yeah. Everybody knows where the president is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whoever's in that spot is the president. So yeah. we're not sure... So he has him slapped, and so what Paul's complaint is, is that you guys are here to provide a, a legal process. So mm-hmm. how is it that you're assaulting me before I've been able to defend myself? So basically, he's challenging them and saying, you're supposed to be my legal um, you know, uh, protection, and yeah. you've just violated that. So my protectors are the ones that are violating me, and basically he's insulting them. And so that's when the high priest had him slapped, and then someone says dare you insult God's high priest? He says, I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was the high priest. And this is really, really important. We talked a lot about this at the weekend message. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe some people were offended and we'll never come back to sandals, (laughs) but my job is not to tell you what you want to hear. It's what you need to hear. And and listen to these words very carefully. Paul replied, for the scriptures say, you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. And um, 
That, that's the command of Scripture, that as Christians, we're called to a different standard and we're called to be different people. And so, uh, you know, just like we mentioned on the weekend, um, you know, some people have a hard time saying, Donald Trump is not my president. That, wh- whether you like him or not, whether you mm-hmm. agree with him or not, he is your president. And that bothered me when conservatives did that with Obama. Yeah. Uh, there was conservative Christians who said, Obama's not my president. And I'm like, you're violating the very Scripture that you self-righteously think that you Hold, and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Look, Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, is our president. And so here's why this is so important, is Ananias is a bad guy. He's mm-hmm. a really, really bad guy. Okay. The high priest had become corrupt. Um, that's why many of the religious groups in Jerusalem were moving out into the desert um, and creating their own like cult-like gatherings because they realized, look, it's all corrupt. It's all about power. It's all political. It's not about God anymore. And so, you know, who rises to the top of politics? People that are... You know, it's usually the biggest rat that makes mm-hmm. its way out of the barrel, and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case, and I don't want to be so cynical that, you know, every president's bad or terrible. I mean, in this election, one of the things I've really appreciated about Obama has, I mean, I mean, right, Obama ridiculed, ridiculed, ridiculed Trump all throughout the uh, election process. Mm-hmm. You know, said he won't be the president, he's not going to be the president, yeah. I believe this will never happen, he becomes the president, and what does Obama say? Give him a chance. Give him a chance, which I thought, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're not a fan of Obama, you have to acknowledge it's very presidential. Yep. And their tone instantly shifted and changed because if whether you like Trump or not, he sits in the seat of power. And so Ananias is so terrible and so awful in AD 70 when the country erupts in revolution against Rome. Guess who's one of the first individuals the revolutionaries kill? It's Ananias. Oh, okay. They kill their own high priest. They it. slaughter him because he's a dirtbag. Yeah, I mean, he's not him. a good guy. And so what's interesting is the Apostle Paul instantly changes his tone. Why? Because he is a messenger of Jesus. And so um, what, what the high priest did was wrong. It was unfair. It was unethical. But Paul immediately backtracks and says, I didn't realize that you were the high priest. And what does he do? He quotes scripture. Mm-hmm. Because what's his authority? Scripture. And so this is what I want to challenge you know, everybody who's so mad about what I said on the weekend. What is your authority? Your political party? Your emotions? Your feelings? or if it's your scripture. And so here's part of the problem. For many Christians, they love the fact that Jesus is their savior, but he's not their Lord. Mm. And the reality is, if he's not your Lord, which means you do what he says, mm-hmm. then he's not your savior. And so we need to ask ourselves, okay, look, and I had just as much as anxiety uh, about anybody. I actually had anxiety either way it went. Yeah. I had real, real concerns, deep, deep concerns about Hillary being elected, and I had concerns about Donald Trump being elected. Both of them bothered me. And I'm not a cynical person who always thinks the choice is the lesser of two evils. I actually think that's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. And um, But in this instance, personally, that's that's how I felt. Yeah. And um, you know, I had, I had two daughters that voted for this election. It was really, really hard for me to counsel them because either way, I had real objections and real, real difficulties. And so... Um, the bottom line is Donald Trump's our president. He sits in that position of power. The Bible says God is sovereign. So you didn't like Obama? Well, God put Obama there. You don't like Trump? God put Trump there. And so the bottom line is we have to submit to the ruling authority and we need to pray for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't like him, that's all the more reason you should pray for him because he needs spiritual direction. Um, and uh, like I said on, um, you know, uh, this weekend, um, I think one of the advantages of Donald Trump being president is it's pretty clear he's a sinner. Like that's, you know, I mean, yeah. we're all sinners, but some of us are more obvious <laughs> yeah. sinners than others. And so I, I think we can just say, okay, we need to pray for Donald Trump. And um, we did that. We did our political process thing. And in four years, you have an opportunity to make it right. Um, 
you know, but these people saying impeach this guy and he hasn't even taken office yet. It's yeah. like, come on, mm-hmm. come on. We just, I mean, that's why we vote. Mm-hmm. So we don't always get what we want. You vote and you deal with it and, and we move forward together. And Christians need to be the leaders in the healing process. And Absolutely. that doesn't mean that you have to say that I agree everything a- a- about him. I think you can critique fairly, but you can't demean, you can't demonize, you can't make him out to be this evil person. And I would have said the same thing had Hillary been elected. You can't do that. Um, and I appreciated her, what she said. She said, he's our president and um, he deserves an open mind, which is amazing because there's Christians who can't do that. You know, cr- the Christians can't do what Hillary Clinton is calling us to do. And I think that's that's shame on you. You need to be able to say, okay, I'm going to pray for this guy. I'm going to root this guy. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but he can affect our lives dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about huge... Uh, immigration changes that will affect people in our church. Um, he's talking about economic changes, uh, which many of those, I mean, I'm hopeful that they will help, especially sure. the economy in the Inland Empire, which struggles deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hopeful that maybe that will help stimulate some growth here. So we need to be praying for those things um, because our future is at stake. Right. And, uh, you know, there's there probably isn't a person in the world who affects our future more than him. Mm-hmm. So we need to pray for judgment, reasonability, you know, um, and... Uh, it's just, we just need to pray for that. And so um, I think Paul here is a great example of, look, he doesn't like this guy. This guy's a crook. This guy just slapped him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? I mean, Donald Trump may have hurt your feelings, but he didn't have you slapped. Mm-hmm. So that just took place. And he says, I'm sorry. I, I would never do that. And why? Because the Bible says that we must respect our rulers and honor them. So, which Paul echoes in his letter to Romans. So, yeah, I've just been thinking a lot about that last, this last little sentence in 1 Peter 2 17, since it came up in the sermons, fear God and respect the king, that it's, it is out of our, you know, honor of God that we respect those that are in, in leaders for us. And yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, we, we talked about two weeks ago, how our Americanism affects our, our faith. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that Americanism has negatively affected our faith is we, we don't have an understanding of a king. There's not a physical example in our country of a king. And so we don't understand sovereign. So like if you grew up in England mm-hmm. a couple hundred years ago, they yeah. called the king or queen the sovereign. Mm-hmm. And what that word means is they rule as they see fit. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really hard for us because we've lost that idea of the sovereign. Like we feel like we can negotiate with God. Like I hear Christians all the time, I'm mad at God. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? I mean, uh, you can be disappointed with life. You, you can, life cannot make sense. But when you attack the sovereign, what that tells me is you don't know God and you don't know yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine an ant flipping you off you know, screaming at you. You're just yeah. looking at this thing and, yeah. right? I mean, that that is not even a proportional example of how much more powerful than God is because mm-hmm. I can't incinerate an ant with my mind. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you could try. God, yeah, I could try. God can speak and and I could not exist. I mm-hmm. mean, God is that powerful. Mm-hmm. There, There's actual um, power in his words. Totally. He said, let there be light and there was light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's just who God is. And so, we need to have a healthy respect for God. And one of the ways that we learn to do that, the best way to learn to respect God's authority is to respect all authority. And that doesn't mean that, oh. right? I mean, mm-hmm. some, sometimes we have to rebel against that authority. You know, there are certain situations. I think Donald Trump is nowhere near that. Right. He could be, and then I would change my tune. But until that time, we need to do our very best to pray for him and support him and, and come alongside him. Because I guarantee you, if Nero 
were running against Trump, everyone would, well, not everyone, because there are people who believe that Elvis is still alive. So there's, <laughs> there's, so not every American, but the vast majority of Americans, I mean, Trump would beat Nero in a landslide because yeah. he was insane and liked to burn people. Mm-hmm. And it was just crazy. So, um, and Paul told Rome, Romans, to respect that guy and yeah. to pray for him. Mm-hmm. So um, it was tough. Yeah. All right, enough of the soapbox, Plato soapbox. I love all of you, but I just want to encourage you. I mean, you've got to, as a Christian, stop just going with what you think, and you've got to submit yourself to scriptures. And so, and, and by the way, it's only submission when you don't want to do it. Mm. Okay, because when you want to do it, it's called agreement. Yeah. Right? So. All right, well, so in verses six through nine, it says that Paul realized that some of the members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees. So he shouted, brothers, I'm a Pharisee, as were my ancestors, and I'm on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees jumped up and began to argue forcefully, we see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. So why doesn't Paul mention Jesus more explicitly here? He just sort of says, I, because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And is that why the Pharisees are like, oh, we're cool with him? Yeah. So I think Paul's smart. I think Paul has quickly assessed the situation and he realizes they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a kangaroo court. This is not real. Things have changed. So when Jesus is around, Rome is firmly in control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, I mean, obviously the Jews are rebellious, but it's different. Here we are, you know, 27 years later. And the situation has grown incredibly dicey. It's literally a tinderbox ready to explode with flames. And, you know, Paul might be thinking, look, the Romans are going to try to protect me, but not, not at their own peril. They're not all going to die to protect me. And mm-hmm. so he's got to figure out a way, how do I survive this? And what does is, what is Jesus say? A house divided against itself cannot stand. So it's what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. So he takes this one political entity that is united on killing him, and how does he divide them? He divides them based upon their theology. So like we're all Americans, but Democrats and Republicans are very, very divided. Mm -hmm. And so basically what he says is, you know, he would say, I'm a Democrat and I'm only on trial because I don't agree with Republican policies. So what would instantaneously happen? All Democrats would side with him. Mm -hmm. But if he says, I'm on trial because I believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection, now he they're doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, they're still united against him. But he makes the issue the resurrection because, and then I, I don't think he's being dishonest. The reality is, if there is no resurrection, Jesus wasn't resurrected. Yeah. So he, you know, he's proving his point. And many of the converts to Christianity were Pharisees because they already had in their mind, like, if you don't believe that a person can rise from the dead, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard for you to to believe in Jesus. Yeah. So Sadducees didn't believe that people could rise from the dead. They thought that was, you know, hocus pocus, just nonsense. Pharisees believed in this idea of the resurrection, um, which really theologically is first found in the second book of Maccabees, which we don't have in our Bibles. It's in the Catholic Bible. But it's a fantastic book that really begins to reveal the theology of resurrection. And what it is, it's a story of a mother and her seven sons who are all killed for their faith in God. They're Jews. And she encourages them as they're, uh, hanged, beaten to death, fried in a pan. I mean, wow. literally, the Greeks fried them in a pan. Um, she encourages her sons as they die, seven of them in a row. Hmm. She says, don't worry, I will see you at the resurrection. Hmm. God will raise your burnt body from the dead. And that's in Second Maccabees. I believe it's chapter 7. Okay. Second Maccabees chapter 7, I believe, is the chapter. Works so, for me. Fantastic. Yeah, 
look at to the development of this idea of the resurrection. So if you just look at it from the Hebrew Bible, it's a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. There's there's allusions to it, but it's a little fuzzy. So this theology, and that's why the Sadducees they only went with what was what was in their books. They didn't go with um, you know kind of these secondary Jewish mm-hmm. um, thoughts. And so um, in in the book of Maccabees, you firmly see this idea of of resurrection. And so he says, they don't believe in the resurrection. We do. And all of a sudden there's this huge civil war that Mm -hmm. breaks out, which ultimately, by the way, why did the Jews lose? Why did the Romans defeat them? The answer is they couldn't be united. Mm -hmm. They fought against each other to the very end. I mean, literally. So all Rome has to do is sit it out and wait for these knuckleheads to keep fighting each other because, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, as Americans, America's greatest enemy is, is each other. It's not China, it's not Russia, it's not Korea, it's not Iran, it's, it's, it's each other. And mm-hmm. you see that, how divided we are, and, and that's what makes us fall. And so it's just really, really sad here, but he uses it to save his life. And I think it was, you know, Jesus said, be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. So what that means is, you know, how many strikes does a snake get? One. One. It's defenseless. A snake is defenseless. So you better, when you make your move, it better be the right move or you're in trouble. So don't, don't be dishonest. That's what he means by innocent as a dove, but don't be as dumb as a dove, right? A snake is shrewd, calculating, and constantly taking in its environment. That's what the tongue does. It's constantly taking in its environment and reading its situation. So learn from the wisdom of a snake, and when you strike, strike carefully, and that's what Paul does here, is he strikes so very carefully, and um, he's right. They, 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 literally, it just explodes. The tinderbox mm-hmm. has exploded, but the good news is it's not against him, Yeah. although mm-hmm. it still almost kills him. Yeah, yeah but it's against each other. So verse 10 says the conflict grows violent and the, the Roman commander, you know, reach in, he's got his soldiers take Paul and they go take him back to the fortress. And then it says that night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. So, I mean, this seems pretty cool, right? Jesus comes to Paul and, and encourages him. And that's pretty awesome. It feels like it could have been both almost encouraging and discouraging though, maybe at the same time, right? Because, the circumstances he's finding himself here in Jerusalem are probably not going to be that different from what's going to be ahead in Rome. Yeah, and again, I mean, I, you know, it didn't go the way Paul thought it would go. And and again, you know, to, um, you know, many people who are just disillusioned uh, with the, the Donald Trump presidency, you need to know that God is still in control. It didn't. It didn't go well, right? So Paul used his argument, and he still almost died. I mean, why did the Romans jump in? It says because they thought they would tear his body apart. Right, we use they tore him limb from limb as an exaggeration. It would have been a reality. Paul mm. was going to die a horrifically ugly death. Yeah, and so the Romans jumped in, and so you know he's just sad. He's made his case. He loves these people. They have firmly and convincingly rejected the gospel. Uh, they've rejected what Jesus Christ is all about. And the Lord appeared to him. So Jesus appeared to him that night and says, "Don't don't be discouraged. Be encouraged." And um, and that's what I want to say to everybody who's. You know, it's just so concerned. You know, the world's going to hell. Yeah, the Bible has said that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Be encouraged. God's still in control. Jesus is still in heaven. It's all going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. And, um, you know, do the best that you can do. Try to take care of your family. Uh, live a noble and honor life and bring glory to Jesus by your thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors. But just know this, God, you know, God's plan for salvation is not thrown because... Donald got elected or because Hillary got elected or because Obama was elected. Somehow, in some way, this is all a part of 
the sovereign will of God. And mm-hmm. we just have to understand and trust that and be encouraged. So he says, just as if you have been a witness to me in Jerusalem, which is kind of negative, right? Because it didn't go real <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. He says, you, will, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. And mm-hmm. so what is the encouragement? That what I've asked you to do to, to speak for me in Rome will in fact happen. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to die until you do what I have called you to do. And it's interesting that these two groups that are so fiercely against Jesus, he actually used them against each other to save you know, his best student. So he used their own sinfulness against right. them to redeem Paul and to save Paul. And so it's pretty incredible. And so again, just be encouraged. It's easy to be discouraged. Be encouraged, you know, be thankful for that turkey that we're going to eat this week and <laughs> those beautiful yes, desserts. Yeah, I, haven't, I hadn't paused to think about how disappointed Paul would have been maybe in this moment. You know, we've studied his journey really over the last several weeks, and it's been a couple months for us, but obviously this unfolded over a period of years for Paul. And, you know, he's been working really hard to bring the gospel, this good news of Jesus to everyone, not just the Jews, but, you know, everywhere he goes, like he keeps trying to come back and and give the Jews a chance. And it seems like maybe he realizes this was his last chance and it it didn't work at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So in verses 12 through 15, it says that the next morning, a group of Jews went to the leading priests and elders and told them, we have bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we have killed Paul. So you and the high council should ask the commander to bring Paul back to the council again. Pretend you want to examine his case more fully. We will kill him on the way. You sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. That's like really bold for Jewish leadership to work toward pretty much undermining the Roman authorities like this. Clearly Romans like keep saving Paul and getting him out of there. And they're trying to like have a chance to undermine that. What's going on here? Yeah. Well, I think politics and religion brings out the very worst in all of us. And Hmm. that's what you see here is you take normal, rational people and they get unrational and they do non-natural and normal things because of their emotions. And when our emotions get the best of us, we're not the best of us. You know, I mean, that's just the reality is these guys interestingly enough, in the name of the law, are going to violate the law to kill him. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just crazy. And that's why we all need to check ourselves. We need to watch our anger. We need to watch our frustration. At the end of the day, in trying to prove that you're right, you can make yourself out to be way more wrong. And that's what's just so sad. And, um, you know, that's what leads a person, a person who's anti-abortion to go into clinic and shoot doctors. Mm-hmm. In the attempt to to be a moral person and uphold God's law, they violate all of those principles because of their own self righteousness, and it's just it's just really really ugly. And um, you know, you, you you see that. You know, I, I think I, there was a petition. I think it's signed by millions asking states to not honor their electoral vote. I mean, it's just it's just sad. Mm. So, in the name of democracy. People are asking electoral college people to violate the process. And it's just sad. I mean, it's just it's just really, really sad when, you know, you're willing to change the rules to accomplish your goals. And that's what that's what's happening here. I mean, the Apostle Paul is an amazing, brilliant scholar, and they disagree on the issue of Gentiles. And so because of that, they're gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I mean, and, and think about it, you know, what should we do with, you know, illegal immigrants? And, th- you know, you're going to have Christians that get so angry with each other that they break fellowship. And, it, and it's just so sad. And so that's what happens here is what should we do with, you know, Ill- illegals that are have come into the faith? I mean, that's the way they see them. And there's such a harsh divide that it's, that it's, it's ugly and it's foul and it's gross. And, um, you know, it's okay to have your opinions on, on both sides. Um, 
you know, at the end of the day, we ha- we have a, a mission to accomplish, and that's to tell the world about Jesus and to be messengers of love and to call people into repentance and place their faith and trust in Christ. And anything that screws that up, we need to not do that. And mm-hmm. certainly, these guys not only have not taken the moral high road, they've taken the moral sewer tank, you know, septic <laughs> tank. It's terrible. Um, it'd be interesting to know if they starved because they took an oath. I mean, mm-hmm. they told God, we're mm-hmm. not going to eat again until we kill him. And so it didn't work out. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, there's this plan to kill Paul. Verses 16 says, but Paul's nephew, his sister's son, heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told Paul. Paul called for one of the Roman officers and said, take this young man to the commander. He has something important to tell him. So the officer did, explaining, Paul the prisoner called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. So Paul this whole time, we, you know, he's Paul from Tarsus, which is in Cilicia or however, however we say that place. Um, but clearly his, he's got family, I guess, here in Jerusalem. And then this is where he trained with Gamaliel before. Is, is this where his family live? Yeah. So here's the confusing thing. So he's known as Paul from Tarsus and he, you know, is known as that as he travels around the Roman world. Mm-hmm. But in reality, he was probably born in Tarsus. His family lineage is from Tarsus. Uh, he's become a very, very wealthy family. Probably, you know, because of his tent-making abilities, that would have been a very, very um, great way to make money with Romans, you know, conquering the world and needing tents, you know, as they take their armies from place to place. So the Apostle Paul's family probably became very wealthy with their skill set. So they moved at some point to Jerusalem to raise Paul and to raise him as a very, very traditional Jew, Mm -hmm. as a Pharisee. And so he's got family there. So he's really born in Tarsus, but he's really from Jerusalem, and that's what we find out here. And not only that, but he has family there. Mm-hmm. So his sister resides there. And so here's the other thing that we learned about Paul, is he is from a prominent family. Mm-hmm. Because how is it that these individuals are hearing about this? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're rubbing shoulders with the movers and the shakers in Jerusalem. And so his sister hears about this, or his brother-in-law hears about this, and they say, hey, we, we got to block this because these guys are nuts. These guys mm-hmm. are fanatical. They've just taken a religious vow say, stating they're going to kill you mm-hmm. and they're not going to eat again until you're dead. And so again, how do we know that they were you know, a very, very um, high-ranking family? Because the commander immediately takes the young man and mm-hmm. listens to what he has to say. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering if that was because of Paul's family or because of Paul's relationship or how it's, that worked out because that wouldn't I think the happen. commander has realized that this family is, I mean, they're all Romans. So I need to listen to what these people have to say. And so, um, again, he's trying to placate both groups as best he can. And what he's realizing is, I can't satisfy these guys. They're, they're nuts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then it says, the, the, then the commander called for two of his officers and ordered, get 200 soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at nine o'clock tonight. Also take 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. Provide horses for Paul to ride and get him safely to Governor Felix. So that seems like a huge show of force to protect Paul from 40 angry Jews. Were those Jews known to be especially violent to justify a force like that? Yeah, well, what he's trying to do is he's trying to completely discourage them. So, you know, he doesn't want to lose any men protecting Paul. So what he's going to try to do is avoid a fight. Mm-hmm. So the best way, okay, so I know, I, I know I've got 40. What does he do? He's got 470. So I got 10 times that amount. The 40 guys do not have a chance against 470. Right. Especially and so trained when, soldiers. Yeah, he's got trained soldiers. So 200 soldiers with uh, swords. He's got, uh, was it 70 on horseback? And mm-hmm. then another 200 with spears. And so the thing about spears, right, is, is I can kill you before you even get to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was a devastating weapon. And so these Jewish guys are not going to have spears. They're, I mean, these things would have been illegal for them to have. So they're completely outgunned, outmatched, outnumbered, 
what he wants is not to have a conflict. So he is going to have such an intimidating force that basically this whole conflict will be avoided because he knows they're waiting. They've taken a religious vow and they've basically said, we're going to die to do this. And so he's going to test that because they are going to die. All 40 of them are going to die if they attack this Roman unit. And this is basically half his soldiers that he would have had in the Antonio Fortress. So for most, you know, Josephus, the Jewish historian says they kept about a thousand soldiers, you know, in the temple. Okay. So uh, they would have beefed that up for special holidays yeah, and yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. But that that's about what they had. And so think about a thousand police officers. Yeah. It's quite intimidating. And they kept that on a regular basis or a thousand soldiers. Um, and uh, they did that to provide safety. So... Well, the chapter ends with another cliffhanger. Luke is on a roll here, right? So Paul ends up in Herod's prison in Caesarea with Governor Felix, and they're just waiting for his accusers. And we will have the exciting conclusion to the next chapter of the story. It's actually not going to conclude, right? It keeps going on. Yeah, uh, to chapter 28. To, yeah, until we get to uh, Acts chapter uh, 24. We'll have that back for you guys here next week as we continue to uh, plow through and towards the end of our 252 series through Luke and Acts. We are coming up on the end. And uh, of course, you guys have been awesome through it all. If you've got questions to get here on the show, we'd love to hear them. You can send them over to us at uh, debrief.show. Click the button that says ask a question or visit us on Facebook. That's one of the easiest ways to just send us a message. And of course, we would appreciate you guys supporting the show uh, in whatever way you can, whether that's buying a shirt. If you're here on the campuses, buy a sticker, uh, rep the debrief when you're out and about. You can share the podcast with your friends and family. Or if you are someone who enjoys the show, but don't uh, uh, participate and attend Sandals Church, man, you can give online at sandalschurch.com slash give. And uh, when you support Sandals Church, you are supporting what we're doing here on the debrief. So we appreciate it. Lastly, of course, there's show notes at debrief.show slash 42. But of course, we're going to close you out with some Thanksgiving love, a little tasty treat of Stuff Christians say from our good friend Stephanie That's today. Right. Learning Christian news, I think I'm learning Christian news, I really think so. Learning Christian news, I think I'm learning Christian news, I really think so. All right, so this week on Learning Christianese, what do Christians mean when they say... I heard this one very recently. Oh, break fellowship. You said it like four questions ago, and I changed what we're doing here. What does it mean to break fellowship? That I said like, break fellowship. I'm going to yeah. break fellowship with yeah. you first. You talked about breaking fellowship, here, dude. dude. Yeah, so that's just a really fancy way of saying you're not going to hang out with anybody anymore. So for religious reasons. Oh, Got it. So Make when it you break churchy. fellowship with somebody, um, you are that would mean like you split churches, you no longer attend your small group. Um, it's friend breakup. Yeah, it's a friend breakup for religious reasons. So, so we're not, not break, just like, we're not breaking fellowship to just go off to our own Thanksgivings. Okay. No, what we do is you, you when you break fellowship, you break it to um, like not be together anymore. It's a pretty serious thing to do. So yeah, do I, we, I didn't know that I said that. Do we need yeah. a two thirds majority to break fellowship with Stephanie? Hey. I'm or, going to producer listen, Kelly I'm, on my I'm side. Taking, I'm taking offers right now. I'm willing to side with you against Pastor Matt if, we, if that's what it takes. Wow. Wow. So I didn't I'm see that deciding coming. Vote. It is a Thanksgiving coup. <laughs> Either one of you. All we got to do is get to a majority oh my gosh, of I'm two. So wait, we can okay. break I'm Florida. Yeah. Whichever way I vote. Listen, come to my side, bro. Yeah. We can take him down. Oh, yeah. He's right. nicer. <gasps> wow. Ding. <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, bro. <laughs> Oh, I forgot I was going to give a shout out to his uh, football team. They won the championship. Big deal. You can't just use the sh- the, our podcast of spiritual covertly mention for it. saying... Yeah, how would you covertly mention flag football in the debrief? I'm curious. I was going to find a way, but I forgot.
I noticed Paul gets slapped by the chief priest, just yeah. like my boyfriend's football team slapped just those like boys. Just like my boyfriend really sacked a quarterback this weekend in his yeah. flag football game that he won, by the way. Whoops. Okay, you don't sack in flag football. 